Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. For us, the, the hosts are the central component. And besides offering lots of opportunities, especially in this geography like LATAM, where a host can even make more money than his or her regular job by hosting. Yeah. Uh, there's a really special element in a differentiator factor, actually, of home fans. Because we're not an OTA that offers not only sports, but also, you know, cultural, gastronomic, uh, adventure, etc. But we're really specializing that and, and host feel it. So we do have a really compelling approach on community. And uh, we tend to take care of them in a good way. Uh, for instance, last Saturday, they had a new gathering because they gather and meet face to face. We have staff on site. So as part of our growth model, we have city managers and some support staff per city where we're landing. And they gather, they exchange ideas, they have a good time. And we have uh, really great uh, ideas and a vision for them in terms of rewards, uh, training. Uh, there's been uh, earliest parts of hosts meeting other hosts or traveling to the other hosts, meeting in person. Uh, so we will obviously facilitate that so you don't get the public price, but you get a really huge discount or et cetera. So yeah, the, the community element is really, really important for a bit from a business standpoint, but also from a human standpoint, like it's people with people. Did you know Tourpreneur also has a Facebook community of over 7,000 tour operators? If you are not a member, then search for Tourpreneur on Facebook and join a thriving community of tour operators and other travel professionals, all of whom learn from each other as well as from Chris, Mitch, Pete, and many other industry experts. By becoming a member, you will be notified first of any events, meetups, and exclusive content. Join the Tourpreneur community today. Facebook.com slash group slash Tourpreneur. Welcome, Tourpreneurs, to another episode of the Tourpreneur podcast. This morning, I'm pleased to welcome Daniel Valasquez, who is the founder and CEO of Homevans.net. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Peter. How are you? Thank you for having us here today, and I'm really excited to, to our chat. Great. So Homevans is a sports experience marketplace where travelers can book sports experiences basically anywhere in the world. I think you're specializing in South America at the moment, but anywhere in the world. And they are matched up with local hosts. Is that correct? Yes, in a nutshell, we're a marketplace for authentic sports experiences hosted by locals. That would be the, the one-liner. Uh, we are actually more focused now on two things. One, geographically, in LATAM, Latin America, is our main destination market. 
I can tell you a bit more about the reasons why. And the second one is actually, since we're in early stage, but growing rapidly, we focused on one sport, which is football. And 93% of our listings are, are football. It's the beautiful game, the most popular game in the world, but it's helped us uh, sort of uh, develop and achieve our milestones on our growth. But obviously the vision, the ultimate vision is to cover all, all sports within the marketplace. Am I correct in saying you started as a tour operator rather than a marketplace? Yeah, I can tell you a bit of the history of home fans. Uh, and yes, you're correct. We started as a tour operator and then evolved into a, a marketplace. So we are two founders. It's Luke, who is Dutch, and me. I'm Colombian, but I've been living in the UK. That's why my accent is a bit different. Uh, but um, we started home fans out of our personal pain points and experiences. So really quickly, it started actually originally with uh, Luke's idea. He is a Man United fan, but he's Dutch. And he used to travel a lot to Manchester, uh, with, starting with his parents and then with friends, just to watch games. And for him, uh, the whole process was already sort of ticked. He ticked all the boxes. He had the tickets, he had the accommodation, he had the flights. Long story short, over the years, he had the same routine all over again. But even though he had everything sort of sorted, he still felt a bit disconnected from the local community. That changed over the years when he started meeting locals. He started to know new places. He gathered with new people. They showed him around. They taught him songs, anecdotes. And the shift or the highlight of the trip changed from the result on the pitch to what happened with the people off the pitch. And then he said, okay, actually, this is something that changed completely my experience. I'm starting to remember more the people, the colors, everything that we did rather than the, the result on the pitch itself. And I'm pretty sure this resonates with a lot of people. Then I met him and I had a similar to different experience. And really quickly, I went to the World Cup with my dad following Colombia, because I'm Colombian. Uh, it's the only time Colombia performed well in a, in a World Cup in, in Brazil. And we had um, sort of need which was we looked for accommodation and we decided to go into the route of actually relying on locals. My dad knew someone in Sao Paulo and that people knew people, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't want to go into Airbnbs or travel agencies. And in a nutshell, everything went really well. It's the best experience, father-son experience we had. But what stood out again were the locals, all these experiences that we had with them. And when I listened to Luke's initial idea and I shared mine, we clicked and Evidently, we started working on something that wasn't out there yet. So coming back to the operator sort of um, moment or phase, we wanted to tackle this need that we thought it could resonate with thousands of people, and it did, with two elements. One, the experiential component. So we're really, really focused, and you see with our company's name, Home Fans, what changed completely our experience were the locals. So what we wanted to introduce into the component of us sports operator or football travel operator, if you want to be really specific, was that we wanted to connect it with the local experience. So we started connecting with locals in specific cities, especially in Europe, trying to design and implement and standardize the best local experience that a, sorry, local could offer. And the second element that we wanted to have a quick win was that uh, we thought of a sort of traveler that likes football in a neutral way, not following your club or not necessarily going to watch your national team like England, but more like I love football and I want to discover and explore. So what we did was to pick 
you know, a, a very, very compelling proposition, which were the derbies. So in, in a nutshell, what we said was tick up your bucket list with us. Have the greatest local experience, even though you're a foreigner, you're an outsider, but have it as a local. But on top of that, go to the best games around the world and, you know, tick off your bucket list. So with these two elements, we started as a travel operator, uh, presented the idea to the market, initial market, started with uh, earlier sort of uh, tests, etc. then started implementing the idea that I just mentioned. And we hit a ceiling almost before COVID when we thought, okay, this is going really, really well. There's traction. Um, there is early signs of product market fit. But we cannot just rely on derbies because derbies only happen once, twice, or three times a year. And that's when we started uh, developing the idea of the marketplace to actually maximize that capacity of all the destinations and not rely on the big games or the bigger games, but incorporate the whole experiential component provided by the locals to any day, any match, any single experience that could be or revolving around sports. Cool. If I'm understanding that correct, the market gap you guys identified wasn't that there wasn't enough tour operators already doing sports tourism. It was the locals hosting the people traveling for sports in the destination. So the market gap was the locals giving you a different experience when you're there, which sometimes was as good, if not better, than the actual football that you went there to, to, to go and see. Is that correct? That's extremely correct. Yeah. So back in the day when we started with the initial idea, what we found out is that the sports tourism, now we're talking sports tourism as a market, it's highly fragmented. There are different players, you know, uh, usually very local or regional ones, not, not global. Uh, and they all focused back in the day on the transactional elements of a tour. In this case, you know, let's secure the flights, let's secure the accommodation, the tickets, which is primarily the trigger if you're going to a sports event. But let's say in, in other words, after that, it's your issue. You will see as a traveler what you do there, you know? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to tackle that. It was also related to uh, a demographic. Back then it was the millennials who wanted more experiences than just things and, you know, all that background uh, sort of uh, story that, that is about millennials and experiences. And we found that the locals were the, the central point. So yes, the experiential component provided by the locals allowed us to sort of introduce a new element uh, to tackle this sort of gap in the market for a specific niche, a specific demographic. Then we started growing and found that this could be sort of overlapped and incorporated into different uh, sort of demographics and, and, and as well on a mainstream level, because right now experiences as a concept, it's something big and it's really interesting. What we're doing is bringing them closer to sport. So the, the move from tour operator to marketplace was primarily driven so you could give a better value proposition to the, to the market, whereas being a tour operator was restricting you because of the supply. Uh, yes, yes, that, that's, a, that's a fair assessment of it. On, on one hand, uh, as I mentioned beforehand, our, our proposition was the unique sports experiences or unique football experience on one hand. So let's take, we stuck to football. And on the other one, as I mentioned beforehand, we really focused on the derbies and the derbies were the, the key or the big games. And as I mentioned beforehand, again, uh, those were three, four times a year. And think of it from a supply standpoint. We already have the supply sort of because we had 
the ticketing, we had the locals, uh, we had the accommodation, of course, but that's highly transactional. Um, and we could only maximize that three or four times a year. So we started asking ourselves, okay, what's another avenue of possibilities where we can actually not only have it four times a year, but develop it into every day, every day even. So that, that's a bit of the vision on one hand. So when, when we started researching, uh, talking to peers, uh, investors, uh, you know, everyone in the industry, including yourself, when we had that chat uh, during COVID, uh, what we found out is that there was another avenue of opportunity with the marketplace. Bit different, very challenging, I have to say. It's, it's not easy to, to build a marketplace, but it gave us the opportunity on one hand to maximize the, what's, what we say, the capacity supply-wise of the destination. And, and on the other hand, uh, it allowed us to actually go more in-depth in terms of product mix of product segments, because I can tell you a bit more later on, we were mainly doing um, packages or multi-day tours. And actually, not right now with the marketplace, the key product in 80% plus of our bookings are day tours and experiences that are on spot on the day for the match, or sometimes not a match even, but more like a cultural experience around sports, etc. But those are the ones that are driving volume uh, and making more and more transactions within the marketplace. So that helped us actually scale because we wanted to scale. We hit a ceiling where we had the supply, limited supply, and we had a growing demand that was not matching the supply because it's very difficult, for instance, if you're thinking in Scotland, to go to the old firm and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have 1,000 spots for the old firm. It's, 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 it's impossible. Not even Celtic can provide it or, or Rangers to a third party. So that's, that's a bit of the, yeah, the background and the concept we had when we were discussing that. Plus... The opportunities that other sports offered in a global market because back then we also foresaw when we were evolving into the marketplace that there was no global player specializing in the sports vertical within uh, tourism and travel so just on the sports selection obviously because your background both your background you specialize in football yeah both probably the biggest global sports it makes sense to start by with football where do you envisage the marketplace going with different sports after football? The marketplace in terms of sports uh, has already taken some initial or earlier stage sort of demand supply matching. Uh, team sports are very, the most popular ones uh, out of those. I would say basketball is the one that has had more bookings, uh, more supply from the hosts. Uh, we, we also envision in terms of team sports, um, you know, they, they usually like rugby, uh, cricket and motorsports, tennis. But right now, I, I think the the ultimate goal or, or the perfect model that we envision is the US one. Where, for instance, you are going to a Miami that is very popular right now because Messi has been just transferred there. And it's not only about MLS. Actually, soccer there or football is not the main sport. It's growing and it's it's getting there. But you have a really compelling proposition of a city that has an influx of tourism, which, which is really important. And I can tell you a bit more about that of who our customers are right now because they're not necessarily sports fans per se, it's actually tourists. Uh, and you will have a really, really evolved and mature market in terms of different sports like American football, baseball, ice hockey, you know, all the professional leagues and also the college sports. So those are two different pillars. So if you think about America or the United States, that would be the 
cherry on the top for us where you have cities with multi-sport offering. Usually there's more team sports and you have a really interesting international and local or domestic demand for, for those sports. The, the roadmap to, to finish this idea is that we go on a geographical sort of standpoint, from a geographical standpoint, sorry, we go on a city by city model. So what we do is actually like an Uber or, or some of these other marketplaces that are more traditional, we land in a city, we build supply, and then we match with demand at that earlier stage on top properties, and then we create a waterfall effect and we expand. And what we're doing is actually jumping city by city. We're global. But everything that we do in this new road, roadmap is more focused on a sort of geographical standpoint first, and then we're going to expand into other sports um, right after, you know, we, we hit some milestones before we do that. Are you speaking to sports? Is drowning in sports organizations as an official football is looked after by X associations, all the sports have their own associations, so... Strikes me there's a partnership, collaboration model there. Also then tourism boards, then also yes. local sports authorities and sports teams. So there's strikes me there's a lot of partnership has to go into this to make sure the customer gets a great experience when they're doing it. Is that correct? That That's extremely correct. And in terms of the playbook, what we do, in this case from a supply standpoint, we, we look at all the uh, main possibilities right now. The key driver is the local host or the home fan. And we really, at the early stage of the city, if you land in a city in the playbook, we really focus on recruiting and vetting and screening locals that could offer their experience. I'm not going to dwell into that in, with too much depth, but actually, especially in Latin America, they're the ones in charge of designing and executing the experience. And sometimes even most of the time, actually, sourcing the tickets and everything. But then once it has uh, hit a mature point, definitely there are other sort of partners that we look into, tourism boards, uh, sports properties. Um, the athlete avenue is really interesting right now. And, and we see it on the sports sort of industry where more athletes are becoming investors, are more involved with, with companies, et cetera. Um, and, and local partners actually like tourism-related partners like hotels, cruise lines, etc., that bring travelers. Because as I mentioned beforehand, this has become more mainstream. And it's not just about Daniel, who went to the World Cup and knows all the clubs and, you know, and is, is, is following football, etc. But it could be Sam, who doesn't have a clue on football. Or me, that I don't have a clue on ice hockey, but I just want to take part in an event because it's, it's a really cool one. And what best, if not, if I can do it with a local who can actually you know, show me around, teach me, etc. Yeah, so, so that's experience. quite that's quite interesting because last time I spoke to you, which God knows when it was, a while ago during during that crazy time during COVID, yeah. then you were definitely focusing on football fans, and whereas now you've you've got a very different audience. Yeah. So let's just explore that audience segmentation, and the reason being is a lot of the members of Tourpreneur, they haven't really nailed who their customer is. Uh, it's very easy for tourism operators to get sucked into everybody's their customer. Uh, and the reality is everybody isn't their customer. You have to do a lot of work to find out who your customer is. Yes. It often takes several years, particularly for a startup, picking out. You're not just trying to find your market fit, you're trying to find your customer fit. Uh, so your customer segmentation seems to have gone from football fan to boof. 
it's got Sorry. wider rather than yeah. narrower, which normally yeah. for a startup, you're focusing to be really narrow initially before you blow out to a, a wider market. Definitely. And, and I'll say it in, in this really basic sort of statement. When we first started with Look and we were two guys having this idea and implementing something, we looked for other Luke and Daniels. You know, like people who we identify with. And actually, one of the propositions or the USP of the travel operator era was more like find like-minded people, you know, or meet like-minded people on, on your trips because you probably don't know them personally, but you're connect. You're going to connect because you like the same things, etc. So, yes, uh, when we started, we really narrowed it down to this in a good way. Don't take it bad, uh, in the connotation, hardcore football fan, you know, that would travel to take off his or her bucket list. Usually it was men, it was male. Uh, you know, white in their 20s and 30s. Um, they really like to travel. They travel at least once uh, a month, mostly from Europe. That was our, our first sort of uh, sort of customer segment. And they really wanted one, one important element was that they weren't following their team. They were just actually going places to discover and again, tick their bucket list. As it evolved, and now especially with the marketplace, and it's driven by different factors, but I would say one is, is really important is also the, the location. So Latin America, for instance, where we're focusing our, our growth model for the marketplace, we start to see a lot of changes in who the customer is. Right now, we still keep the valuable customers and we have a lot of returning customers that every year do here and there because that's the beauty of the global marketplace that you can go one to Argentina and then you can go to Istanbul and then you can go to Glasgow and then you can go to Casablanca and et cetera, et cetera. But what's growing really, really fast right now, and it's taken in terms of the uh, of the pie uh, of the customers, is it's basically tourists. We're competing against cultural experience, gastronomic experience. We're competing against entertainment in general. So usually how, how we find our customers or define them, it's people who are traveling somewhere and are looking for things to do. And one of those things to do either because there's blogs, there's information, or because we target them and we sort of tell them and educate them about what the experience is, or because they're looking for a ticket. Sometimes it's also that. Uh, they, they say, okay, if I'm going to Buenos Aires, I might as well go to La Boca and go to Boca Juniors, La Bombonera, because it's one of the top things to do in Buenos Aires. But it could as well be a tango lesson. You know, so in this new range, the, the, the new customer persona or this second sort of segment is very broad. But what we've understood is this triggers where we can connect with those who are either looking for things to do or actually already made their plans on attending a game because it's part of that. And it's happened to me even when I'm going to this, when I've gone to the States, for instance, I don't know anything about ice hockey, but I just wanted to take part in a, in, in a match. It's like. It's something novel. I would like to be in the experience. And the cherry and the pie is that we not only provide the ticket because tickets, there are thousands of providers, but it's more about the compelling experience where it actually gives you other added values that I can talk about later in terms of safety, language barriers, security, guarantees, etc. that make a peace of mind to the traveler and say, okay, actually, I'm going to decide to go with home funds to this match at La Bonnet. Oh, some of this is a favorite subject in the community. It comes up every single day. Yeah. Uh, people know they have to do it, but they get lost in it. Marketing, marketing strategies. What's some of the marketing strategies that's helped you 
basically moved from being a tour operator into a marketplace because obviously the minute you're a marketplace, sounds great, you can do all these destinations, but that means you have a lot more marketing to do, the hints and the, the word marketplace. You've got to make a marketplace successful. The marketing has to be great. Yes. It's it's the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I would love that my, my co-founder Luke was here because he, is, he oversees marketing uh, with all the specialists that we have. But I can give you a, a, a bit of a high-level answer. When we first started with the operator, I think the key elements, no, I'm pretty sure the key elements were the brand. So trying to put something novel, innovative, but that resonated with people like us, as I mentioned beforehand, like Daniel or Luke, and started to find our niche. And, and gather here and, and create that narrative around mid-like-minded people, unique experiences. It's more than just a ticket, more than just a game. A lot of video, you know, we, we, when we first started, let's say we, we had 10 destinations. We would film four with really, really high quality video. So there are like short films. So around the Derby, the Belgrade Derby, the Krakow Derby, the Old Firm. Uh, I remember we had Copenhagen, Rome. And, and that created like a sense of excitement and inspiration because it wasn't just a guy filming and getting the ticket and filming the stands, but it was more about the whole, whole experience. So content creation uh, uh, alongside finding that right niche with, yes, some paid uh, sort of uh, marketing actions uh, was the perfect combination for that. And then we built a community. The community used to refer, uh, word of mouth, PR helped as well. We had uh, a, a lot of PR back, back in the day, thanks to our investment rounds or the, the concept that was innovative. But then when we, when we shifted to the marketplace, we found ourselves in a whole new world because as you mentioned, you cannot just do everything everywhere. And when we, I remember when we talked, uh, Peter, during COVID at the first, I think it was the first year of COVID, uh, we were actually thinking what to do. And we followed a, a kind of playbook for the operator, but we found ourselves uh, or we sort of noticed that we were wrong. Actually, the, the key element of the travel operator um, marketing-wise as well, as part of the narrative and the USPs, was that we were global. And we are. We are right now. But um, the actions, the subsequent actions of being global were the ones that were wrong for us. So let's say we, we had the... Glasgow Derby, Belgrade Derby, Istanbul Derby. We didn't need 10 locals for that. We needed one or two, right? Because, well, one or two can host a group. It's just a game. It's a weekend or two weekends a year, etc. But the marketplace assumes that you're actually hosting every single game and even sometimes when there's no games because you have other stadium tours or cultural experiences, etc. So when we first started doing things in COVID, presenting the marketplace, we did a lot of branding, etc., well, long story short, we started recruiting everywhere. And that was our first big mistake. We weren't even uh, operating with the, mar the marketing yet because, well, it was COVID. We did a lot of interesting tests, etc. But we've, we found out that it was, this was the wrong action. And we spent a lot of time doing that because when COVID stayed and it took longer than we expected and we tried to kickstart the marketplace, we found that only a really tiny minority of all the hosts that we recruited were actually getting initial bookings or were engaged because a lot of time passed and we couldn't just operate everywhere. And when it started to open up in terms of the, the restrictions, 
we had to make a decision. Either we continue this idea that we had mentioned beforehand of being global, the different destinations, or we just focus on one ge geography, which was what we did. So the, the marketing shifted completely and ev all the effort that we put during COVID to recruit hosts, I wouldn't say went to the bin, but it, it kind of got lost there. Um, and then now with the marketplace, it's not necessarily what we did before. In the marketplace, it's more about finding these people that I mentioned before, Hanno, looking for things to do, looking for, you know, sometimes tickets, um, try to be, trying to convince them on the spot because there's not much time in advance to plan. Uh, you know, it's, it's more about people who are certain or are planning to go to, to the destination. And we have started learning and using different tactics. The, mo the number one rule, for marketplaces is that actually you need to link more into organic acquisition rather than paid. And right now, 79% of our bookings are organic. And what we accomplished through the years, because we learned the hard way, we were more used to what I just mentioned before, content paid uh, a community. Now people don't necessarily buy into the overarching idea of the community, like the minded people, et cetera. It's more about, I'm looking for things, I want to have it, and we're highlighting the local experience. So yes, it has a component of paid, it's scaled up. It has a, a really big component of SEO, uh, but the, the main thing, it's more about word of mouth. And what thing that we were, have been really, really good and have developed is cross sales. So I don't know if I'm talking a lot, but just to summarize, whenever someone is searching for Boca Juniors and going to a match, usually that person has ticked this box and say, okay, now I can do tango, I can do an asado, I can do wine or whatever. And what we do really, really well is after highlighting and experiencing the, the experience, sorry for being redundant and people connect with locals, connect with other people and see that it's really, really cool and safe. Uh, we sort of on the spot offer different options. And that's the beauty of having a really dense marketplace in a location. So you have a lot more than 40 options in Buenos Aires to do after you went to Boca Juniors. And then people buy into it, not all, but most of them. And 25% of all our bookings right now are cross sales. Uh, so people that go to Buenos Aires for one thing end up doing three, four, five, six, seven, ten, 10, depending on who they are. So yeah, the, lesson, the lessons there for the community, for the operators, and it's something we've been teaching since the beginning is, Particularly for day operators, day operators, you often only have one bite of the cherry because the person's in your city and they may never, ever be in your city again. And if you're a day operator who just covers that city, yep. well, then your cost of acquisition of that customer, you're not going to get multiple bookings over the lifetime value of that customer because they may never be back in the city. So what does that mean? That means it's your duty as an operator to sell that customer as many experiences in your city as yes. possible when they're there because this is your one chance. And as an operator, if you turn up and you sell them your food tour and, and you've sold it for $79 and it costs you $20 to acquire or sometimes many more, you're missing a huge opportunity because it's your one-off chance to sell as much as you can to the, the customer. And when you've got that lead, it's all about maximizing that lead. For multi-day and other type of businesses who have multiple destinations, it's different because then you can Work the customer, build the relationship with the customer, and sell yeah. the customer as you guys will be doing. 
and getting return customers going to different destinations, but many of the community in one destination and only intending to be in one destination, you have to move into cross-selling, up-selling. Otherwise, you'll find your unit economics over a period of time do not look that good. Yes, definitely. And and that's really on the spot because, and we've learned over time. And when I'm talking time, remember that we kickstarted the marketplace like officially like when restrictions ease and all this COVID nightmare happened, like was 2022 actually, because 2021 we started and then Omicron came, etc. So it's still early, early ages of the, of the market, so early years. And the beauty of it is that we've learned by testing that for instance, we had the niche of the multi-days and the day tours, and we were learning more about the day tours, and I'm going to delve into that. Then we started understanding of the, the power of cross-selling. Then we started understanding the power of up-selling. And actually, right now, we listen to the feedback of hosts who have told us, like, and, and also we notice, like, every time a tourist goes to, especially in Brazil, where we first kick-started this, to a game, they buy a shirt, they buy a hat, they buy a scarf. So we... we sat down with the host and say, okay, listen, we're identifying this. You're also telling me this. Why don't we incorporate that in order to increase the, the LTV of, of the customers? And now what we're doing is actually micro cross-sales on the spot where you can choose your game. So basically when you go into our marketplace, you, you choose between different hosts. And I can tell you a bit more about that of differentiated supply. But once you choose the host and the game, you can then choose if you want some add-ons. Uh, and it's not a new experience. It's actually within the experience. And it's gone really, really well. And we plan to roll that out to other geographies where we are. Because that's another way, as you mentioned before, and of maximizing what you get from that customer that you only have it on the spot that day. So, and I'm on record as saying this constantly, we haven't got a demand issue in tourism because tourism is going to double by the next 25, 20, 30 years. So we're going to go from an extra couple of billion people flying around the world doing tourism, which comes with a lot of issues. Um, but demand is not an issue. Demand is coming and coming big. What's the community impact? You're using locals or you're working with locals. So it has to have a community impact on the destinations that you're sending travelers to or booking travelers to. It sounds like you're in the grassroots of the community in these destinations. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And Yes, for, for us, the, the hosts are the central component. And besides offering lots of opportunities, especially in this geography like LATAM, where a host can even make more money than his or her regular job by hosting, yeah. uh, there is a really special element in a differentiator factor, actually, of home fans. Because we're not an OTA that offers not only sports, but also, you know, cultural, gastronomic, uh, adventure, etc. But we're really specialized in that and, and host feel it. So we do have a really compelling approach on community. And uh, we tend to take care of them in a good way. Uh, for instance, last Saturday, they had a new gathering because they gather and meet face-to-face. Uh, -face. We have staff on site. So as part of our growth model, we have city managers and some support staff per city where we're landing. And they gather, they exchange ideas, they have a good time. And we have uh, really great uh, ideas and a vision for them in terms of rewards, uh, training. Uh, there's been uh, early sparks of hosts meeting other hosts or traveling to the other hosts, meeting in person, 
Uh, so we will obviously facilitate that. So you don't get the public price, but you get a really huge discount or et cetera. So yeah, the, the community element is really, really important for a bit from a business standpoint, but also from a human standpoint, like it's people with people. So yep. the, the impact is, is really interesting. Obviously at first, what hooks you with home fans is the concept perhaps. Uh, but especially the capacity or the ability for you as a local to make money doing what you love, because most of them are already going to the match, you know? So it's more about, okay, actually there's a side gig here that I can uh, participate or take part in, and it's going to make money. And in Latin America, it's really, really a good hook. But after that, the, the community element is, is really important. And I can tell you a lot of things that we've done digitally with Discord communities, events online and offline. But that's where we put our, our focus. Is that one of the driving reasons to go to South America? Because obviously, if you're going to be a global marketplace working in all destinations, you're going to have home fans, locals working in cities like Madrid, London, Berlin, in Barcelona, uh, Copenhagen. The economics of them hosting is very different from different. the economics. As well. Yeah, mm -hmm. and culturally as well. Yeah. Was that one of the drivers to go to Latin America? Yes. I mean, it was a combination of different things, and and we we have mentioned this to to people who ask investors, advisors, etc. It's a combination of different factors. One is uh, we look into tourism influx. Latin America is really really important. I'm, I'm Colombian, for instance. This is totally off topic, but 15 years ago, there wasn't any international tourism or mass tourism. Right now, Colombia is really hot. Uh, thanks to, you know, the peace treaty and everything that happened, fortunately, in, in our country. And it's a really nice destination, and I recommend everyone going there. Sorry for, for having that, but it's really, really nice. So Latin America right now, it's become really, really hot in terms of um, tourism. If we were even related to COVID, uh, you know, Westerners tend to go different places. But, you know, if you're outside of Europe, let's say for Europeans, then you would go to Southeastern Asia, you know, all these places that are more exotic and nice beaches, but during COVID, remember that they were really strict with restrictions, whereas Latin America, they were, but they opened up earlier. And there's other elements of, you know, uh, currency, etc. For us, that was one. The other is existing demand in metrics that we had. So Argentina, that was our first destination, had uh, the whole package because it's well known amongst the football fans, but also in terms of tourism and sports that it's a different brand there in Argentina. It's the passion, it's the cultural element, the cultural. So they really are embedded in the culture in terms of football or, or sports, but especially football. You know, these figures of Maradona and now Messi, it's like a religion. So that it's compelling for, for people who are really interested in, into that. And supply-wise, that was the third element. Um, for instance, Buenos Aires offer more as like, I think only London in terms of football, but in other sports, it's not like that. Like Melbourne could apply for that, but London, Istanbul, but London and Buenos Aires are more relevant. They have more clubs than any other city in the world. So all this made sense. And then the Latin American element was really interesting in the sense that, yes, there's influx of tourism. We have good infrastructure supply-wise. And the connecting dot, which were the locals, were really enthusiastic, culturally speaking, and then when people came, they also looked not only for all of this that I've just mentioned beforehand, but security, safety, and language barriers. 
And what we're offering is HomeFans speaks your language, Peter, but also speaks the language of, let's say, I don't know, Valentin in Buenos Aires, because we know what you need. We know what you need to be provided with in terms not only of the entertainment, but all these peace of mind elements. And to Valentin in, in Buenos Aires, we can offer you a really interesting gig with good money, but also uh, with all the guarantees for you and in a good time and demand in the end because yeah. we're getting more. So in Europe, the order of sort of priorities are, are different. And, and it's something that we constantly discuss and talk with them. And that's why in terms of our roadmap, we've started going city by city in Latin America, expanding and scaling the, the marketplace and understanding and identifying and measuring what's working really well in, in, in Europe and where we can sort of complement what we're doing in Latin America there because the approach is, is different. And I don't even want to discuss also in terms of ticketing which is another one of our differentiator factors, not necessarily relevant right now for this topic, but ticketing is really different because as I mentioned beforehand in Latin America, hosts can source the tickets, most of them, mm. five. In Europe, it's not like that. We can as home fans because we build a, a huge network, but it's different. So yes, it, there are different elements to, to consider in, in that sort of assumption. And that's why we started there, but it doesn't rule out that we constantly have bookings anywhere else in the world, especially in Europe, Africa, and Asia. So, different subject. We all live in a technology world, and we're about to live in an even more deeper technology world. What role does technology play in your business? What's it helped you with? What's you struggling with? What's the whole technology story of your marketplace? Yeah, well, when we first were a travel operator, we had technology was a bit of the proposition, but it was not definite in terms of the execution. So we, we could operate without a lot of technology because we, what we needed to have was a nice site, uh, that was clear enough for customers that, you know, in terms of UX, et cetera, they could book, understand everything and book right now, technology enables, uh, the, the marketplace implementation and execution in the sense that it's a two end marketplace where we have the hosts on one hand or the supply and we have the, the demand. So the technology definitely enabled us to optimize in something that was more manual to automate and operationalize that in the back end. And right now, what we're looking in terms of technology is really, it's huge. It's really relevant in terms of how we can differentiate ourselves even more. Now that we have the, the foundation of having a custom-made end-to-end uh, -end marketplace where we have the supply backend, the demand backend, and then you just need improvements, upgrades. Technology can really drive uh, different things for, for home funds. Um, one of the, the sort of the key elements as a differential factor is how can home funds become really, really specialized in terms of the sports vertical? How can we have a sports DNA in every single digital experience you have as a user or as a host? And how can all these sort of, for instance, search flows, um, recommendations, so AI is everywhere now, et cetera, can apply or appeal to you. So if you look at the OTAs, the way you search is that you just put a destination and a date and it shows whatever there is available. And we started like that and we're making slow, but sure improvement like that. But what if everything is recommended to you in terms of, for instance, games or activities, uh, based on your recent purchases, your profile, et cetera. And it shows what are the upcoming matches 
or if you look into a specific city or a specific club, it shows everything like that. So technology really helps in that for the customer, but especially for us to differentiate ourselves. There are multiple avenues. We don't even have an app. We want to have an app, uh, but, but the key element is how to really become more and more specialized through technology. So the whole, the whole experience, the moment you type homefence.net and you enter there is really, really sports oriented so that it, you feel an experience when you're there and technology enables that after enabling the marketplace model in the first place. Strikes me and I could be wrong, spend half my life being wrong, but marketplaces and OTA type marketplaces work on very specific data that's again, what's open at certain times, where it is, location, times yep. and price uh, who can attend who can't attend children adults blah 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 yep. all fixed things which has been nailed by multiple companies over the last 10 15 20 years now it strikes me on your marketplace people are going to destinations south america working with locals i think most of the interesting data is inside the head of the locals or that that destination. If I'm going to watch Boca Juniors, I've never been to Buenos Aires, but I've never watched Boca Juniors. Uh, if I'm going there, the host is critical, and yep. most of the knowledge yep. resides in that host's living experience because they've been there 25, 30 years, yep. passionate about the city, they're passionate about the club. All of that knowledge is inside that local. That data and that knowledge, which is data, we are now in a world where that can become digitalized and communicated to the customer yes. pre-arrival. Yes. It's not it's not straightforward, it's not easy, but it's certainly in a world where that is happening. Uh, and that is the different, that knowledge, that data is the uniqueness of any business. Definitely. Or, or I could be wrong. No, no, you're, you're totally right, actually. Uh... I wouldn't know what the Boca Juniors host knows. As home fans wouldn't know what any host knows or any destination unless, I don't know, I'm here in London and I follow X club and I know it. So definitely that's that's the, the beauty and, and the relevance of, of, the, of the locals. And we've discussed this sometimes in terms of how can we enhance the experience to, to customers. And uh, we've seen different because we're always currently looking at what's happening out there, even outside or or vertical, even outside of tourism. And definitely there are different actions where this knowledge or this knowledge base can be, yeah, kind of standardized, temp make it into a template, et cetera, to provide to customers or even sell. We see a lot of guides and all that stuff. Uh, but for now, what we strive for is definitely to keep the, the authenticity of the local experience and have it as a as a strength of the of the business. Every time, for instance, we're talking to investors, uh, existing or new ones, we say that what makes home funds different amongst different things is the differentiated supply. Because you can have the same club and the same game, but you will have different hosts, who, as you just mentioned beforehand, have their own knowledge base that is different because they have their own perspective. But also they have different locations in the stadium so that changes the experience because if you yeah. are in the most VIP box, et cetera, it could be more appealing to some people or you want to be standing and chanting and, you know, shouting with the, with the barra or the, the, the fans. That's another one. And, and yes, and inclusions and price. So 
personally, that's what's been really like the most interesting point uh, in terms of supply for me within HomeFence that once you understand that and you work around it, it creates a really snowball effect in a good way because people start to choose to pick and to understand the uniqueness of each host. And in the end, it comes down to better sort of metrics for home fans in terms of bookings, but also for the host and ultimately price for the customer, which is another interesting thing. And sorry for uh, deviating myself to this point, but when you are one or two local hosts for a club and you have a sort of monopoly uh, because there's no competition and it happens when we start with really more less relevant clubs, we see that once a new one comes and starts playing around and creates competition, it benefits everyone. And what, let's say from two, you went to three and each one of them started getting more bookings because the two ones that were before looked at the new one who, I don't know, decreased it 30%. Uh, has a different, obviously, approach because of their differential supply. But then they made an effort, and then it happens that all of them start getting more bookings because the customers understand the power of that and, and the value of it, not only price-wise, but in terms of when we, they assess the, the ultimate thing. So for me, that is really, really interesting, and definitely that's why we have this sort of USP to host of who we are, what we offer, it's not just the gig or the money, but it's more about the community and how they are relevant. And we can have another 10 minute conversation about content because this knowledge that they have, it can be not only digitized, but also it can be recorded. It can be in terms of storytelling, you can create blogs, you can create videos. And that's the beauty of it. Like, especially when we work with media outlets, that's what they really look into because these are the really authentic stories around the club, the city, the neighborhood, etc., that really have a lot of value. If we take the whole concept of sports tourism, and I've already said tourism in general is going to double over the next 20-odd years, uh, sports tourism is probably one of the best. And people get this confused because you have sports and you have tourism and yep. what is sports and what tourism and they overlap a lot. But the one thing is for sure, money is pouring into sports which then results in more sports tourism and when we say money we're talking eye watering amounts of money is pouring into sports at the moment all sports not just football football's obviously the prime one it's getting billions of dollars yeah from american investors from middle eastern investors golf we have just seen a massive global deal driven by money from saudi on golf so there's huge money coming into sport because there's money to be made in sport and there's brand recognition. Many people would say it's sports washing some of the money that's coming in. But the result of that money is there's going to be more opportunity of sport tourism. That, yeah. That's just a given. So where do you see this boom? Because I would say it's a boom. Uh, one of the things about sports is tourism and travel goes like this in the marketplace, depending economies are up, economies are down, and, and things happen in certain destinations. It's sports happening every year. We exclude the COVID chaos. Sports yeah. happening every year. It's a regular thing. It's pre-determined on dates normally. We already know the dates for the World Cup coming up four years ahead, sometimes eight years ahead. Once the regular Argentina releases its games for next year, everyone knows the dates well enough in advance. So you have all of these advantages of uh, regular events occurring in every destination, no matter what the economy is doing. 
sports tourism is going to happen because there's so many passionate people about it. So where do you see the future of sports tourism going? I just see a big boom and lots of money flying about, but I've not put enough thought into it to actually see where it's all heading to. I think we have a, a very optimistic overview uh, and outlook of, of, of sports tourism. Firstly, we're starting to talk about sports tourism, uh, which a few years back, it wasn't the case, at least. I mean, it was mentioned, but it wasn't like that. Um, so shared by different parties at the same time. Um, the facts are there. Like, if, if you look at the data, uh, the sports tourism market is growing. And I, I don't want to be, you know, a, a library here, but uh, in terms of our research that we do, it's it's expected that it's it hits like 1.7 trillion by 2027 dollars. Sorry, in dollars, and it's growing at a really steady pace. And out of those different sports, it's calculated that that soccer or football, it's around 700 billion for 2027. So it's still a huge huge market. And 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 we see that this actually mixes the sports tourism in what we do with the tour. And travel and, and operators sort of sort of vertically you know more than me in that so because you have travel and tours with sports tourism and it's a great mix and there's a lot of opportunities uh to do that we we see that sports has become more and more or increasingly more entertainment uh we feel it here in europe so for instance a club like Wrexham that is in wales in the fifth division yeah. now was promoted it's entertainment and it's become a huge brand and people want to go there. So it's it's more about how how this all this money poured into the sport can be then sort of used as an asset to create that sort of boom and we call it like FOMO, you know, in a bit. Like it's it's more like, yes, I know I love sports, I want to go, but it's more like I have to go there. I have to be there because this is really novel and compelling and et cetera. And in the end, it's it's, it's entertainment. Our vision is is huge. We are totally certain, and we're just in the earliest stages and in the, in the first phase, but it's going really well. That there can be a a player, a global player, where you can centralize all these sports experiences, not only hosted by locals, but this is now our sort of our our focus, and it's going really well, and it's the core proposition. But we see a lot of opportunities, and it's been done in a fragmented way in, in different ways. Most recently, also in the in the tourism uh, sort of universe, what Get Your Guy did a few weeks back, I'm probably sure you know more than me about that, announcing the sports vertical. For us, it's a compliment, actually, because we're the, we're the only ones that were saying, you know, jumping from, from bottom up saying, hey, there's a sports tourism market. Because don't get me wrong, we, we talk to investors, you now as a marketplace, different sort of verticals, et cetera. And some do say, I really don't see there's a market, you know, uh, and that's their opinion, you know, but it's a fact that there is a huge market. And as you mentioned, like sport has taken a lot of interest in the general public. Think not only in football, what has happened to Formula One, driven as well by this new content entertain slash entertainment approach, thanks to the money of the Americans, you know. Formula One, um, I'm not that young anymore. I'm 39. And I remember 20 years ago, because we had a Colombian driver called Juan Pablo Montoya, who was quite good and audacious, etc. We were following, etc. And then for me, it died. But since Netflix aired this new series, instantly, it caught a lot of attention from not only the 
or traditional ones, but especially new audiences. And that has been, uh, well, that has resulted in more people wanting to go to attend the events, actually. So I'm a case. I've never been to Formula One race. I'm going to two this year. Yep. So I, I think it's it, the, the combination of entertainment and sports and for some purists that could be wrong, but definitely it brings the masses to to this to the focal point. And and I do believe that there's there's a really really huge opportunity there that is not being captured by one or several players. What Get Your Guide showed is that actually it's come of confirmation that they see there's a market, and we do as well. And we have all the facts that that stated. So yes, it's it's. I see it as a promising future. Obviously, things happen like COVID and that halted everything. But sport were, I, I would say, one of the most resilient ones in that sense because of financial commitments or whatever you can label. But even within during COVID, there were sports events. Yeah, without fans, but there were sports events happening, you know? So it's it's part of our daily lives and, and people are increasingly doing that. And, and I see it as well as a post-COVID effect, that it went up, prices have gone up, unfortunately, yeah. for the consumer, uh, but that does hasn't stopped them to go and attend and take part in sport events. Yeah, I, I sort of look at, and I could, again, I could be wrong, I look at sports as, that is obviously sports tourism, but sports is also, and there is no real differentiation here, it's also leisure, it's something that happens in our daily lives, it's like, like going for a coffee, if you're in a city and you go for a coffee, it's something that happens on a regular basis. Sports happen on a regular basis, whereas pure tourism activities, maybe going on a history cultural tour or food tour, that's not a regular purchase. That's a once a year or once a two year purchase. Yep. Whereas for people interested in sports, sports can be quite a regular. In fact, if I just look out my window here, my next door neighbors, two young kids, are obsessed with football. Yep. So I see their dad driving them to football matches, driving them to playing football. They're doing sports experiences four or five times a week, whereas a tourism experience can be once or twice a year. Therefore, the opportunity in sports I do see is substantial because of the regularity of involvement of it rather than a, a once time. So, Daniel, I just want to ask you, just to finish off here, is, you know, as community, what advice, based on your background of being a tour operator, now a marketplace, through highs and lows, and nothing's easy in this world, it all, it all has to be grinded out. What advice have you got for a community, on most of the communities made up of small businesses building, all of them are trying to grow, some of them are bigger than others, but what is your advice for the community, based on your own experience? I would say uh, the most important one that is often overlooked is talk as much as you can with your customers. Even uh, a few years after we first started with the with the tour operator, we still can ask our initial customers what they think, how they feel, what they want, and actually, it's really it's sometimes it's Sometimes I can even fathom it, you know, like basically you're asking, what can I sell you next? Sort of, you know, yep. and it works every single time. So 
sometimes you are so focused on growing on finding new audiences and that's good that's really really good but never underestimate the power of your core customers and even though i just mentioned to you peter that we are more tourist focused and you know and, and we have this missing approach where we're sort of competing with entertainment or leisure in general we still can get back to our customers test things out ask them things get their feedback and it happens also with the hosts but on a demand side uh it's incredible what you get from them so if if you are really thinking about doing new things in the business or growing or anything that you want to test out never leave your core customers behind keep them on the journey keep keep them keep communicating with them and i have to say growth keeps you away from that uh and sometimes we have to remind ourselves and actually i'm saying this because just last week we did something quite similar about that and the result was outstanding compared to any other action that we do in terms of customer acquisition or whatever uh, outcome we want to get and and it reminds us constantly that yes you have to just talk to your core customers continue the conversation even if everything changes just keep them in the loop that for me is the most valuable lesson i've had over the years because they are actually the first people who bought into the concept and are there all along the year i can tell you for instance during covid we had to do a lot of cancellations and we did little refunds because of that because of killer communication constant communication and understanding of the customers of what happened and, and not just hey just give me my money back etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah that would be my my advice so there you go community to community constant communication with customer in a in a world of increasing technology and a world of more and more online bookings happening every day it's very easy to take the bookings and not communicate with the customer customer does comes does the experience disappears make sure you set up strategies that you've got constant communication with your customers people like people and they like communication yeah. the deeper your communication with the customers the longer sustainability you will build into your business the way i've kind of thought about that over the years is not that i'm into space but if you've got a, a universe with a big burning core bright star mm-hmm. and then you've got all these other dotted stars all around it it keeps coming in uh, the shiny objects of these new ones distract you but it's that big bright burning core that you need to spend most of your time with and learning from because they're the customers that will sustain your business for for uh for as long as you want to stay in business so daniel thanks very much that's been hugely interesting covering off sports tourism and i wish you all the well with the marketplace thank you peter i really appreciate uh your invitation having us here uh really looking forward to continuing the conversation and any other time and any advice etc or any questions i also have a lot of questions uh, anyone who wants to connect with me you can look for home fans on linkedin or, or me and happy to connect with anyone who, who wants to reach out so thank you peter for your time and have a great rest of the week <laughs> thank you